0: gender transformations, mind control and psychic compulsions, and casual ableism. The views of the characters do not represent the views of the author. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is Episode 294. Hello, everyone! Welcome to the Raven in the Writing Desk. I'm your host, Chris Lester, the creator of the Metamore City story universe. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorecity.com. This is the show where I share my fiction with you, available in audio for the first time anywhere. I'll also keep you up to date on my life and my writing. More on that later in the show. But for now, let's get to this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 35 in my Metamore City novel, Making the Cut. If you're new to the show, go back to Episode 259 to hear this story from the beginning. I'm short on time this week, so no recap this time. Here's Chapter 35. Making the Cut A Novel of Metamore City Written and Read By Chris Lester. Chapter 35 Sasha stood with Rebecca at the entrance to the park, looking out at the stands of trees planted here and there throughout the enormous chamber. Lots of places to get lost in here, she thought. Do you see them? Rebecca's eyes glowed yellow, and after a moment she nodded. That way, she said, gesturing toward the transparent dome at the far end of the park. They're in a little clearing close to the edge. Looks like they're already asleep. Sasha looked at the clock on her phone and almost laughed. She'd been expecting to stake out the area for a couple of hours at least. It was only a quarter to one. Wow, she deadpanned. Quite the endurance champ Danny's got there. Rebecca grimaced, her eyes returning to normal. Well, there's a mostly empty bottle of wine next to him, and two empty wrappers for shimmer tabs. That would do it, Sasha admitted. Let's do this before they sleep it off, then. They made their way across the park toward Danny and Jared's hiding spot, Rebecca leading the way. When they got close, Becca gestured to the specific stand of trees, and Sasha went ahead without her. Her time with M.I.D. had trained her in how to move quickly and quietly in any terrain. A pair of sleeping sighs was a lot easier to sneak up on than most of the things she'd faced on her missions. She found Danny and Jared lying naked on a picnic blanket, Danny's head pillowed on Jared's chest. Neither of them stirred as she crept up beside them. Now comes the hard part. Reaching out with her telepathy, she gently brushed against the minds of the two lovers. She waited there for a long moment, listening. Jared and Danny floated in a dreamless sleep, their thoughts calm and sluggish but underneath the surface of Danny's mind, a third voice stirred in response to Sasha's touch. Who? It's me, Daniel, Sasha said. The voice seemed to perk up at that. Sasha! Sasha could see thought patterns changing all over Danny's brain, as Daniel's submerged personality suddenly realized that it could take over. Stay calm, Sasha commanded putting a sigh compulsion behind the words. Jared's right underneath you, and we don't want to wake him up. She felt a sudden rush of confused emotions run through Daniel's mind. Yeah, he said. Sasha, I think I'm going crazy. At first, I was Danny, but now it's like Danny's this other person inside my head, and she's been taking all my memories and leaving me locked inside her, and... I know, Sasha said. We'll talk about it later, okay? For now, I want you to get up slowly, get your clothes on, and follow me out of here. Rebecca's waiting for you. Rebecca? She... she came back for me? If Daniel had been in full control of his body at that moment, Sasha was sure he would have burst into tears. She pushed harder on his emotions, dampening them under the weight of raw telepathic force. She needed him calm and rational if they were going to get out of here without waking Jared. Of course she did, you dummy. She loves you. Now get that body moving for Eli's sake. Okay, just a sec. It doesn't respond very well to me like this. I think I've gotta... Before Sasha's eyes, Danny's body began to change. Her breasts shrank, her hips became slimmer, and her face became more androgynous. She opened her eyes and carefully got to her feet, her eyes on Jared the entire time. As she turned, Sasha saw that Danny, Daniel, was now at least technically male. He still looked very effeminate, though, especially since he was still wearing Danny's makeup. In a dress, he could have passed for a flat-chested woman without any trouble. "'You can't change back more than that?' Sasha asked, wondering how Rebecca would react to seeing him like this. Daniel looked down and blushed. I... I probably could. He mouthed the words while he sent them. He was probably still feeling the effects of the alcohol, and Daniel had never been a strong teep in the first place. It's just... I still need to fit into Danny's clothes. Sasha glanced at the scattered clothes and nodded conceding the point. She began collecting garments and handing them to Daniel, who put them on as quickly and quietly as possible. If there's anything you need at Jared's place, we should get it tonight before he wakes up, Sasha said. I don't think it's safe for you to see him again. Daniel looked at her sharply. You think he'd hurt me? Not on purpose, no. But he has some kind of power over Danny and we don't understand what it is or how to block it. I see. He pulled on his pants and shirt, then turned to look at her. I feel like I should be freaking out right now, but I'm not. Is that you? She nodded. Thank you. Thank me by being faster. It's taking a lot out of me to keep this compulsion going. You've got a lot of emotions in there, and they're all screaming to get out. Daniel winced. That doesn't sound promising. Would you rather I left you here? Daniel looked down at Jared, then raised his own hand to look at it. A diamond engagement ring sparkled on his fourth finger. That's a complicated question. Sasha gaped. Blood of Eli? It was that serious? Daniel pulled off the ring and held it up to the light, his expression torn. They really do love each other, he said, picking up the clamshell box and putting the ring inside. The trouble is, neither of them love me. He put the box next to Jared. He leaned in closely to look at the other man's face, and Sasha saw in his eyes such longing and regret that she thought Daniel was going to kiss him goodbye. After a moment, though, he closed his eyes and turned away. Setting his jaw, he rose stiffly to his feet and strode to the edge of the clearing. Let's go, he said, while I still can. Just as Sasha had promised, Rebecca was waiting for them on the other side of the trees. She rushed to embrace him, but he stopped her with an upraised hand and a shake of his head. Her face fell. "'Daniel,' she sent, sounding hurt and confused as she touched his mind. He gestured over his shoulder. "'Not here,' he said, mouthing the words. It was so hard to form the thoughts clearly enough to send them, but he didn't dare speak aloud. "'It's too close. The things I'd need to tell you? Even Sasha won't be able to keep me steady.' She bit her lip and nodded. She didn't like it, but she understood. She turned and fell into step beside him as they fled the park. They entered the express lift that would take them back down to the ground floor. Halfway down, a surge of sudden grief and fear rose up out of nowhere and wrapped its claws around Daniel's heart. He staggered and fell back against the wall of the lift, unable to speak, hardly even able to breathe. Daniel, Rebecca cried. Her terror surged through his mind, amplifying the crushing feeling in his chest. Damn it, Sasha hissed. She grabbed his head in her hands and shoved her thoughts inside him, pushing down on his emotions with renewed effort. Gradually, the pain faded, replaced by the dull numbness of Sasha's mind control. That ought to have made him even more terrified, given what he'd been through the last few weeks, but he actually felt relieved. He looked up at Sasha. Her eyes were bloodshot, and a trickle of red ran from her nose. She took slow, deep, steady breaths as she kept her eyes fixed on him. Sorry, she breathed. With the distracted air of someone performing ritual magic or handling high explosives. Lost my hold on it for a second there. Daniel took a deep breath, then took her hand in his own. Just hold me together long enough to get to the skimmer. Becca, I need you to take down directions to Jared's place. We already know how to get there, Rebecca said. She sounded like she was fighting back tears, too. Don't worry. I'll make sure we get all the stuff that's important to you. Daniel thought of the engagement ring and fought back the feelings of loss that tried to seep through Sasha's shield. Thanks, Bex. He turned back to Sasha. Later, before we leave the condo, I'm gonna need your help again. To... to write a letter. He swallowed back the lump in his throat. He deserves to know why. Can you do that for me? I'll try, Sasha whispered. He squeezed her hand and nodded. Thank you. The lift doors chimed and slid open, revealing the ground floor lobby. Daniel rose unsteadily to his feet and got out, clutching Sasha's hand on one side and Rebecca's on the other. The nightlife was still going strong in the Citadel's plazas, No one paid them any attention as they made their way back to the lift for the parking garage. Once they reached Sasha's skimmer, Rebecca opened the back door and got inside, gesturing for Daniel to follow. He did so, then looked back at Sasha. The whites of her eyes had turned completely red. All right, he said, as Rebecca wrapped her arms around him. You can let go now. She did so. Half a second later, his world collapsed. How's it look? Brian asked. At the other end of the phone line, Nathan snorted. Who knows? This is top-of-the-line crypto, man. It could be weeks before we even have a rough idea of what you recovered. Actually making sense of it all could take months. Brian sighed. All right. All right. Pull in everybody you can get on the decrypt. I figure every code cracker in the hive is going to want a piece of this one. Wouldn't bet against you, Nate said. I'll see how I can dig up. The rest of the collective may want in on this, too. Great. Send it to the Yamato Hive and let them start playing with it. Maybe by the time they call it a night, I'll have finally gotten some sleep. Aye, aye, Captain. See you when the world turns. Brian rang off and turned to Miriam who sat on one of the living room chairs with her hands in her lap and her eyes closed. Any word from the hive? She turned her head and looked at him, her eyes slowly coming into focus. Yes, most of them are asleep, but those who have heard the news are greatly impressed. Even with the data still encrypted, the hard copies prove that the Syndicate is developing a nanotech weapon of some kind. Once we know its purpose and specifications, we should be able to counter it. Fiona leaned back against the kitchen counter and crossed her arms. What about the manufacturer? If they are crafting weapons to use against telepaths, then a reprisal would seem to be in order. Miriam sighed. I don't disagree, Fiona, but that isn't our fight. I will pass the word to the Kitchland Hives and let them deal with the nanotech laboratory. They may find better ways of persuading the lab to break its ties to the Syndicate. She smiled. For you, the battle is over. You've more than proven yourselves to the rest of the hive. It's time for your cell to get back to doing what it was made to do. Fiona looked away from both of them. Her hand rose unconsciously toward her birth control amulet, then stopped halfway and lowered again. Miriam rose to her feet. And now I think that I shall take my leave of you. I'm afraid this is well past my bedtime. Brian and Fiona bowed, and Miriam returned the gesture. Thank you for your help, Alder Boktavar, Brian said. It's good to know that there's at least one person in the Hive's leadership who hasn't lost touch with her conscience. She gave him a rueful smile. I should hope there is more than one for all our sakes but I do thank you for the compliment. Good night to you both. After Miriam had left, Fiona went over to the couch and sat down. She perched on the front half of the cushion, her back stiff. She stared out the window at the lights of the city and said nothing. Brian turned on the phone again and called Sasha. We'll be home soon, she promised. We're at the condo getting Daniel's things or at least the important stuff. We're going to have to leave a lot behind. How's he doing? There was a long pause. He's a mess, love, she said, her voice full of pity. Sobbing, screaming, clutching Rebecca like the world's going to end if he lets go. He's apologizing a lot, mostly to her, I think, but to some other people, too. It's hard to tell what he's saying a lot of the time. Brian frowned. You can't read his mind? To be honest, I've been doing my best to stay away from him, at least mentally. I'm going to need all my strength to help him write his goodbye letter. Brian winced. So what, you left them in the skimmer and you're loading the boxes by yourself? Pretty much. It's not that big a deal. We can't fit that much in the trunk anyway. Mostly it's just a matter of hunting for the things Rebecca tells me you'll want to keep. Well, don't stay there too long. I'd rather replace some of his clothes than risk you being there when Jared gets back. No kidding. I'll call you when we're ready to leave. See you soon, love. You too. Sasha paused. Is Fiona there? Brian looked up to see Fiona standing in front of him, hand outstretched just a second. He handed her the phone. Fiona raised the phone to her ear. Her eyes drifted to Brian, then to the hallway leading to the bedrooms, then back to Brian. At last, she spoke, apparently deciding to stay where she was. Hello, love, she said softly. Brian was still close enough to hear Sasha's voice through the phone speaker. Hey, Fee, I, uh, I guess I don't have much to say that can't wait until later. After that mission, I just wanted to hear your voice. Fiona closed her eyes. And I yours. She paused, then opened her eyes, looking straight at Brian. I have a problem, Sasha. Normally, that was the sort of straight line that Sasha would have gleefully grabbed hold of. But she wasn't joking tonight. What is it, love? Fiona reached up and touched her birth control amulet. Fear, she said. The line went silent for a moment. Tell me about the fear, Sasha said at last. Fiona glanced at the clock on the stove. I will, but later. You need to finish your work there and come home. She looked down at the floor. And then I promise to tell you. Brian's heart swelled then with sudden pride. When Fiona had said her goodbyes and turned off the phone, he took her in his arms and held her tightly. That was brave of you, he said, his voice warm with approval. She huffed a quiet laugh. Amusing, isn't it? How honesty can require more bravery than a firefight. Brian kissed her. Just a different kind of bravery. You can do this, Fee. We'll help you. She nodded, but didn't look completely convinced. I can't take off the amulet. Not yet. These... feelings of mine are not going to go away just because I acknowledge them. Of course not, Brian said. He reached up and placed his hand over her chest. You can keep this for as long as you feel you need to. Sasha will have our next child and that'll give you another six months to work this out. He shrugged. And if you're not ready by then, we can wait. She placed her hand over his, then leaned in and kissed him again. I appreciate your faith. You must be taking lessons from Sasha. He chuckled. I'm a long way from having Sasha's faith. Eli and I still have some trust issues. He reached up and caressed her cheek. But faith in you? That's easy. Dear Jared, I think that writing this may be the hardest thing I've ever done. I wish I didn't have to. I wish there were some other way. But then the fates have never really shown much interest in what I wanted, so why should now be any different? I was such a fool. I had no idea what the curse would do to me, how much it would change me. Evan and Ava make it look easy, but it's not. Ava warned me that I would be two different people, but I never really understood that until now. Danny loves you. She really, truly does. But Danny's only half of who I am. This me, the Daniel me, that's the other half. And between you and Danny, There wasn't any room for me. I know you said that it didn't bother you, but I don't think you knew what dating an androgyne actually means. You can't just take one of us and expect the other to go away. I would have been like a brother to you, but you didn't want me. You just wanted Danny always and forever. And you can't have her that way. Danny's stronger than me, and most of the time she can shut me up. But if she spends all her time fighting me, she'll never be at peace. We'll never be a whole person. That's why I have to go. If I could leave Danny with you, believe me, I would. But we're stuck together, and we always will be. So I'm going, until she and I can figure out how to live together. How to find a life that both of us can share. I'm not going back to the apartment. Please don't try to find me. I've got to work this out, and I'll never be able to do that if you're here. Goodbye, Jared. I am truly sorry. I wish to the gods that things were different. Daniel. And that's the end of Chapter 35. Come back next time, when the summer cell tries to decide what to do about Daniel. And about Jared. Herman Woke said, Remember the good hours when the words are flowing well. And never mind the bad hours. There is no life without them. So, let's see how the words have been flowing this week. It's time for the Weekly Writing Report. This update covers the week of July 17th through July 23rd. I wrote 3,656 words this week, over the course of 5.5 hours, for an average writing speed of 665 words per hour. As of Friday night, I have gone 36 days without breaking my chain. This week I continued working on my Alex story, Out of the Shadows and while none of the days this week had word counts that were particularly high, I was able to move this story forward every time I sat down with it. This piece takes place nearly two months after the end of the Honor Bound trilogy, and it's been interesting to see how the relationship dynamics between our three characters have changed since House Bellevue left the capital. Metamore City is home to Alex, in a way that it will never be for Honor and Natasha, and now Alex is stepping into their world. Alex is less confident here than in the trilogy, outside their comfort zone, and now that we're seeing things from their viewpoint for the first time, we're made aware of the fears and insecurities and old wounds that the charismatic androgyne does such a good job of hiding. It's going to be fun to see Alex learn and grow over the course of this story, just as Honor and Natasha did in the main books. The manuscript is now up to 3,400 words. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension two five five zero eight two, 82 followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook, and our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out.